welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to talk about preseason week two the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Washington Commanders. Uh, But before we do all that, Reese, how's it going? How's your week been? Tell us what's been going on. It's good. That hot, hot weather in Kansas City finally broke, so now it's just been like regular summer weather. I would say no, it's slightly better than regular summer weather because when you wake up in the morning, when Bowie's getting us up, you know, it's like 65 degrees and super humid outside. So it's like 65 feels really nice by comparison. And we could take Bowie out to the park, you know, the park, like I said, and put him on his 50-foot lead and chuck the ball. He just yeet it and have him bring it back, which is great. Uh, actually, tonight, tonight, Bowie celebrated his bachelor party with his brother, Archie, over at friend of the podcast, Joel's house. Because uh, Bowie's going in to get a snip snap paddywhack tomorrow. Oh, the the old snip snip, man. The old snip snip. There'll be no baby Bowies running around, unfortunately. I think he makes some cute puppies. So, but. so what what was on the bachelor party agenda? Is it going to Bar K, having a couple puppy drinks, having a buying some some puppies, some uh, puppy burgers? That's actually a really good idea. No, we just had a good old fashioned like mud wrestling without the actual water aspect of it so joel <laughs> joel just finished redoing his yard uh and there was like one patch of a uh, dirt he filled in and just like normally bowie and archie like running around the yard and, like tackling each other and all stuff no they felt content just to like dig in this one spot and just like roll around and it's like you know what okay uh <laughs> yeah it was they, they had a good time though bowie's are always like so much more chill after rough housing with archie and uh, you know, Archie's a really, Archie's a really good dog. He's a really cool dog. And, uh, Joel is also a really cool dog. If you catch my drift. No, oh, yeah. He's a cool dog. Shout out to our dog, Joel. Yep. But, uh, that's, that's kind of what's going on. We'll see how Bowie does with his procedure tomorrow. And hopefully he doesn't go too haywire on those, on those ye old stitches. But what about you, man? You're coming back from Glimmerglass now, right? Yeah, man. I finally, finally wrapped up after almost three months in Herkimer. Mm. and singing in Cooperstown. Uh, but it was a good last week, man. I was able to go out on... Uh, there's this dude that uh, owns a couple boats that was in some of the shows, and he let us use his boat, so it was really nice. Got to spend another night on the on the lake out there, which is very beautiful. Uh, great end of shows, saying bye to people, all, the, all that fun stuff. Uh, drove down to the old Cleveland, my old stomping grounds, but I stayed in downtown Cleveland, which is kind of far from the university where I stayed, or where I used to go to school, which is, if anybody knows Cleveland, it was Cleveland Institute of Music, where Case Western Reserve's campus is, which is like the suburb, kind of. Not really. I mean, I guess it's like midtown Cleveland. Um, anyway, so I stayed downtown, and like, during when I went to school, it was exactly when LeBron James left Cleveland. Mm. So, it, like, literally the day that I got there was the day that he announced that he was going to Miami. Whoa, and then the whoa, day that I graduated whoa. or like around the same time was the day he came back to Cleveland. Whoa, whoa, so whoa. I was I was in Cleveland during the like rookie Kyrie Irving years. Oh, when yeah. It was like Kyrie Irving, Dion Waiters, um, all to say that you just couldn't go downtown like downtown was non-existent there was like one strip of bars that you could go to until like 10 p.m and then that was it everything else was like downtown was dead actually espn did an article about it or did one of their like sunday specials 
about how like LeBron James literally created the city of Cleveland or like rebirthed the city of Cleveland when he won his championship here uh, in what was that 2016. But I was long gone at that point. So it was fun to like go back into downtown where like the places I could not go and it was pretty lively last night. I mean, I didn't stay out too late. I stayed out till like 11 last night with some friends. Uh, but it was fun to see. It's like, all right, Cleveland, Cleveland's almost a city. People are moving back in the city. That's cool. And today I just went to um, very similar city, but not so much. I'm in Indianapolis right now. Oh, trigger and Alex some, with that comment. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Detroit, Cleveland, Indiana. Like, eh. well, well, you just called Indiana eh. a city. Or, sorry, Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, eh. dude. Uh-oh. You know... Well, don't don't at me, Alex. This but is at me. This is the perfect time. I've been mean to bring this up. A uh, friend of the podcast, Alex Nikolenko, the Red Russian, actually mentioned that it's time to look back at uh, reinstituting the PBR apology on this podcast. <laughs> I am not PBR PBR apologizing that oh. Indianapolis, Cleveland, and Detroit are very similar cities. Oh, dude! At least for like Detroit, though. Detroit, like at least once was. There was a, a time, I think it was like late 70s, early 80s, where like Detroit wasn't that much smaller than Chicago, I don't think. I think Chicago sure. was like 7 million in the metro and Detroit was like 5.9 million in the metro or something like that. So, you know, the 80s and that stuff really hit them hard, but at least they once were. Uh, Cleveland, nah, dude, Cleveland, you've seen the hastily made Cleveland tours well, video, right? Yeah, <laughs> but the, honestly, Cleveland in like the 20s and the 30s was quite roaring as they as they call the 20s and the 30s and there's a lot of like beautiful architecture that's still there and like some of the homes that are still there from the 20s and 30s like i think cleveland was one of those like not kansas city where it was in between la and new york but mm -hmm. it was one of those stopping points so there is there there is a little bit of culture in cleveland just so you know though if, if we're saying if we're going all the way back a hundred years that cleveland was cool in the 1920s and 30s that means we have to like instigate that notre dame is relevant in football because that's like when all oh, their national god. titles they happen. are they're relevant oh gosh <laughs> oh do you know what i just watched it was amazing was the was the manti teo documentary oh, you know the other night i had to choose between that or the woodstock 99 documentary i watched the woodstock 99 doc all, Ooh, also Logan said that was good. We should we should twist. Okay, I've seen the Woodstock '99, but I really want to see Monty Teo's do uh, documentary now. Tell me about it. Is it worth watching? Oh, absolutely. Um, I won't spoil it, but you know the premise of it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the you, they actually interview both sides. Like they actually find the other person that was the catfisher, and like that person tells their story, which is really cool. I have my theory. And I'm very curious as to uh, if my theory is correct, I am like ascended Oracle 33 level Mason. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely like I, I, I won't I won't like um, I won't lead you on, but there's no conspiracy theory there. Like it's very much like I think uh, I don't I, I, I'm almost positive you will have no doubts that Manti Teo was not involved. Oh, like, oh, OK. Yeah. You mean like it wasn't just a PR stunt? right right it's like very much not and okay, okay. but that that's not spoiling anything it's just it's so fascinating to hear it from manti teo's like he's such a good guy <laughs> like oh yeah like oh my my goodness like i anyway i'm not going to spoil it but you just learn so much about this guy and like i don't know how old he is but someone has to give this guy a workout like oh. he 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 has to be like like i know everyone loves tim tebow but he is like Tim Tebow times two. He's just such a 
Like he's like, oh man, this like I aspire to be a guy like this. He's amazing, dude. It, you know it's funny though. I don't know where this revisionist history is coming from. All of a sudden, ever since the doc comes out, everyone's like, you know, if 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 he hadn't been preoccupied with what went down, you know, that Notre Dame team was going to win the national title. I'm like, no, they Not weren't, guys. <laughs> no, they, they Not a th- that Notre Dame team shouldn't have been in the national title game to begin with. They they played a really lukewarm schedule and eked out some really close games, dude. They were they were lambs to slaughter. I tell you what, like. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but like Manti Teo was was not Ray Lewis. No, you know what I mean, like, like, like only Ray Lewis or someone that was like a stud linebacker could dictate an entire game. Oh, yeah, but Manti Teo on a Notre Dame defense as a linebacker is not going to dictate one of the best Alabama teams to ever live. Because that, I, I think that team was like, wasn't that? Derek Henry and it was like Alvin Kamara it was Kenyon Drake like we're talking like they had like six running backs that are now all pro bowlers on that one on that first team hold on I'm looking this up Um, looking this up I know for a fact Amari Cooper was on that team because I saw him in the highlight reels uh well the the thing too is like like you said it's not like if this was like Indomitian Sioux like they had literally like Indomitian Sioux on their team and he was a no-show because of crap going on. Yeah, that's a little bit different. That was a one-man game wrecker on the D-line. But, you know, a linebacker. He, he Hold on. Let's see who they have. Uh, A.J. McCarron was there. He was pretty – I mean, he was a good college back. Uh, but at that point, they were just – they were running the ball a hundred times a game. Let's see. Offense. QB. Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake. I think all yeah. three of them were NFL running backs. Come on. Kenny- Ed- Eddie Lacy was like 400 pounds. He, there was no way Manti Teo was going to stop Eddie Lacy. Dude, cheeseburger Lacy. Yeah, Mari Cooper, DeAndre White. Oh, my word. Uh, Chance Warmack was left guard. Um, who else am I recognizing here right away? Yeah, this was a this was a really good team. Mont- Monte Teo was not going to make a difference against those guys. Right. It's like it, I mean, it, they they do explain the national championship game and like talk about that season. It's really touching, but at the same time, it's like, come on, guys! Like that was that was Alabama. It, Alabama wasn't at their peak, but it was like, okay, this is officially a dynasty, and this is something very special. Absolutely. I mean, they they knew too. This was them paying penance for the fact that they're not going to join the Big Ten because they're a bunch of stuck up, <laughs> stuck up people. Hey, you're driving through Indiana. Why don't you stop and tell Notre Dame I told them that on your way out? Would you? <laughs> I am not going to take the four hour drive up to South Bend before I go down to see you tomorrow. By the way, I get to see Reese tomorrow, and I'm really excited to hang out with Reese all the time because it's always a good time with the old Reese. Uh, we'll probably hang out, do some chicken and pickle. This oh, yeah. episode will not be out, so I would invite you all to come hang with us, but it's not going to be out. I'll be gone by the time this is posted. Um, but if you want to hang out with us next time, you can donate on Patreon, <laughs> and then we'll we'll exclusively invite you to our to our cool hangs when we hang out in Kansas City. Reese, how can they donate on Patreon? Uh, you could donate on Patreon uh, and join our beer subscription service only cans by going to patreon.com backslash <laughs> That F- only, dude. How have I never heard only cans before? I mean, someone's, that, someone's Dude, you have to trademark that. Come on. Yeah, o- only cans to get exclusive access to our Mount Crushmore. Bull- Boulevard has to make that into like a into like a sour cotton candy 
like ale or something. Oh, that sounds like a really good idea, actually. Uh, but if you want to submit your really good ideas to us and appear on the podcast, you can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com <laughs> backslash FCSM. There you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews, including Speedy and Angry, our 10-part deep depth dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Just finished up recording another episode with Alex the Rad Russian. I believe it was Fast 6. So now we'll be going back and going to uh, Tokyo. I almost said Three Fast, Three Furious, Tokyo Drift, out of just out of habit. <laughs> uh, so... We're doing that. Uh, if you like crispy sports memes and to catch previews of the episodes, check us out on Instagram at Fountain City SM, and you can find us on TikTok at Fountain City Sports Media. All right, excellent. Um, all right, Reese, let's go straight into it then. Well, I guess we spent a lot of time talking about Manti Teo, but yeah, it was a good one. Worth it. Um, so let's let's go right into the game that we just saw. Like I said, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Washington Commanders twenty-four to fourteen. A bounce back win from our nineteen to fourteen loss to the Chicago Bears, um, and we win in style. A lot of great things happen, Reese. Why don't I kick it off and then I'll have you take over? So here we go. The biggest thing that I saw, Reese, and this is a hot take, but George Karloftis is going to start week one. Ooh, you think he's going to start week one? I think, I think, I mean, yes. No, screw it. He's starting week one. Hot take, starting it off. George Karloftis is the real deal. Had two sacks against, I think, a pretty decent Washington Commanders um, starting starting line. Um, I say we just get him in there, man. He looks, he is swimming like like Michael Phelps. When Michael Phelps was at his peak and wasn't smoking dope. Don't don't like do the he... dope. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, Michael Phelps. Um, dude, that okay, so if if you guys go to look at his second sack when he is double team, swims out of the double team and sacks Taylor Heineke in beautiful fashion, like things like that. You don't see in preseason, especially something that impressive. And again, he's not a big guy. He's just very feisty and he's very athletic and very agile. And things that you see from players like Von Miller or players that you see like Micah Parsons. Oh, Micah Parsons is actually pretty big. But he has this build where it's like he is set up for success at that position. Right, mm-hmm. He has the body, he has the speed, and definitely has the footwork, which I feel like you don't see from rookies. Like you, like you don't see that type of technique already from a rookie. And he has it, he has the motor. I mean, uh, we talked about this last week. I, I don't remember us having someone with as good as a motor as George Karloftis does. And the sky's the limit, I think. So, sorry Carlos Dunlap. We love you, but you're older. Let's just put you into the rotation. Let's let George Karloftis have some rough patches in the first couple weeks, but let's solidify him into a starter. Well, you really didn't do the Karloftis sack justice. You did mention he was double team and he swam out of it. You, you neglected to mention that he was being held like a son of a gun. I mean, the guy, the guy <laughs> legit had him in like a From waste. Referees, for, formerly known as referees. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, like this would have been called in the regular season. He. He swam out of the move, and the guy literally like bear hugged him from behind around the waist, and he still broke out of that. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. You can go, you can go back and watch that replay. Uh, but no, it's it's a huge guys. Carl Loftus has two sacks in two games as a rookie. Now I know it's the preseason. I know you can't look into this stuff too much, but for a guy that they were worried about the athleticism level of him to be explosive enough, he's got two pretty explosive sacks so far. So my question to you, Armando, is: Do you regret? not picking Jermaine Johnson at this point. 
Uh, I still have to see Jermaine during the year. I I haven't heard anything from Jermaine, and I've been like, I guess I haven't been looking in Twitter, but he's definitely doesn't like stand. He's not like George Pickens or people that we're seeing that are blowing up on Twitter. Um, so the jury is still out. I like George Karloftis, but wait, no, but that that wasn't the argument. Well, my argument more is that. Um, Jermaine uh, Trent McDuffie has to outperform Jermaine Johnson, not George Karloftis has to outperform Jermaine Johnson. But we wouldn't have drafted Karloftis if we already had Jermaine Johnson. I know. So here's the other thing. I know, but like, uh, I don't know. Here's the other thing. So you mentioned Carlos Dunlap. Uh, unfortunately, Dunlap has come down with the unfortunate case of the day to days, particularly on his Achilles. Uh, I don't know what this means. Hopefully it means he will be back, and it isn't a serious thing, but we all know how the Eric Berry day-to-day Achilles saga went uh, a few years ago, which was very unfortunate. But uh, how do you feel about this defensive line should Carlos Dunlap be unable to play this year? I mean, we didn't spend a lot on Carlos Dunlap, so it's not going to be the biggest loss if he can't play. But again, day to day, I think he's he'll he'll be fine to play. But assuming that it's a, in a consistent injury that's going to be flaring up. By the way, this is actually unrelated, but I just heard this today on another podcast that hamstring injuries have surpassed ACL injuries as um, people missing the most time for. Really. In, in in the NFL, yeah. So, like, people have been recovering quicker from ACL injuries than hamstring injuries because hamstring injuries have been reoccurring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot the stat. It was, like, someone that gets a hamstring injury in the beginning of the year has a one-in-six chance of re-aggravating that injury during mm. during the rest of the season, where if you have an ACL industry in injury and you recover from it, the likelihood is you're not going to re-injure it, um, which I found really fascinating because back in the day, ACL injury, that that was basically your death sentence. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too. It's like like you said, they used to be a death sentence for athletes, but medical science has gotten so much better now. And I suppose that does definitely make sense as to causing more missed time because you do something to your ACL, there's no wait and see or play on it. Like, you're getting surgery, the end. You know, mm-hmm. hamstrings, you can kind of play through it, see where you do, and yeah, it does make sense that you would re-aggravate it. Uh, but you don't have that with ACLs. Take it from me. Bada bing. Also, I like totally neglected your actual thing you wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, it's okay. It worked. It worked. Uh, you, you got me <laughs> off track for whatever I was trying to make a point of. Carlos Dunlap, if he's unable to play, how do Carlos you feel Dunlap. about Dunlap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if, he, so if he's not there, I think it's okay because we have other people that are really coming in and coming to their own. Like Mike Dan has been looking good, I think. Um, Colin, Colin Saunders, I think, has been pretty good as well. Oh, so. baby. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, the first person standout, George Karloftis, I really, again, look, and this is, like, very hot takey of me. If I'm going to be warm takey, then I would say, like, in the middle of the season, Karloftis comes in and starts tearing it up. What do you think, Reese? What uh, standout for you from the from the Commanders game? Uh, standout for me. Let's stay on the defensive line here really quick. You mentioned Kalen Saunders. He is having himself quite the nice little preseason and comeback season so far. Uh, as many people might remember when Kalen Saunders, third round pick, Western Illinois, he's the dude who's like as wide as he is tall, but he can do a standing backflip, which is incredible. Kalen Saunders is a special kind of freak athlete, just like in how explosive he is. Like guys this size should not come out of the gate that fast. Like I would be, I would legit be curious to see what Kalen Saunders would run like a hundred meter dash in. Cause honestly, 
probably pretty fast. Probably pretty fast. What I'm saying is, he's very explosive. And he had a sack in the first preseason game where he just busted through the line, you know, ate the quarterback's lunch, bada-bing, bada-boom. However, midway through the third quarter, he has another one of those where he crushes through, he, I mean, just like blows through the center, and Taylor Heineke gets like knocked over. Like he, he's there on him like right away. Knocks yeah, him over. Deion Bush also knocks the yeah the other guy. It's super soft. Though. They called roughing roughing the passer, but it's just like again, if Shane, not Shane Buchel, sorry, if Taylor Heineke, you know, wasn't built like he was made out of paper. I mean, he's a small dude. You know, if this if that would have been on Carson Wentz that hit, Wentz would have gotten knocked down, but like dude, it, it looked like they ended Taylor Heineke's life just cuz of how small he is on that hit. So, <laughs> all this to say, I think uh I think Kalen Saunders has a good chance of making the team cuz I mean, he was kind of flirting with that what do you ever call it, the cut list or the you know, the line of who makes this team and who doesn't. And I think he's making a great argument for him to stay in his nose tackle and defensive line depth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, uh, again, Spag's defensive line is always like like a hockey team, right? It's always rotating. There's always new energy. They're, they're always trying to rest players, which means that's going to be more opportunity for Saunders and more opportunity to show what he can do. Because like you said, there's not a lot of guys that are quick like him and as big as him so that he doesn't have to like put his whole body on the on the quarterback just the light push is going to be like a body slam in comparison to something that i would be able to do you know what i mean um so yeah so it would be great to see him on the roster and to have a significant role on that defensive line uh continuing forward reese i i uh, it's only two weeks but i'm i have bought the justin watson stock Oh, Give yeah. me all of Justin Watson's stock. He leads the team again two weeks in a row uh, in receiving yards. He had that 39-yard gain uh, that Patrick Mahomes uh, passed to him. And Patrick Mahomes was looking for him on, on offense. I mean, again, if he plays, he's like wide receiver four or five. But he's already showing that he's better than Demarcus Robinson. Uh, dare I say better than our boy Byron Pringle. Um, and when you have someone like him that is on the bottom of the depth chart that can produce the way he can, that's going to be incredible. I'm, I'm, I really hope he makes the roster and plays a significant role. And Pat's already trying to get him there. Dude, I'll tell you what. Uh, Justin Watson making me a firm believer, and I stand by my Wes Welker, Edelman, Beasley, Renfro theory that how many times has he been there now just finding himself wide open on third down and coming down with a big old snag. I'll tell you what, Justin Watson's a smart dude. He went to Penn. You know, he's not some meathead who went to the SEC. He's an intelligent dude who is built like a brick house. I'm very excited to see what Justin Watson can do. And you mentioned he might be wide receiver four or five. Dude, I wonder if he climbs up to wide receiver three when it's all said and done. He's got he's what? got years. Rank I mean, him. hear me out. Rank so, him right now, Reese. Rank him right now. Uh, yeah. okay, okay, on the surface, it's probably Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, Pat uh-huh. has definitely been looking for Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling in the preseason, so he's probably two. Yep. But honestly, I think Justin Watson's making a case to be wide receiver three. Just given what we're seeing from him and the skill set he brings, and wide receiver four probably Sky Moore, and wide receiver five McCole Hardman. Wow, Stonks is low on McCole. <laughs> well, I I just still haven't. 
here's the thing. You watch Sky Moore play, who was a rookie, and you already see a much more natural route runner, decisive, sure-handed wide receiver than anything you've seen with McColl. The one thing McColl has on Sky is straight line speed, but that's about it. There's something, you see it, it's been joked about too with Sky Moore having running back legs. Sky seems to be better at breaking through first contact or shedding a player than McColl does. Because that was one mm-hmm. thing that everyone always kept trying to compare all these fast guys like uh, like Hollywood Brown and Ruggs and McColl to Tyreek. But the one thing they forget about Tyreek was that, like again, Tyreek was built like a brick house. He was jacked. First contact would not bring him down. Whereas a lot of these kind of like trimmer, more willowy track guys do get taken down at first contact and do have a hard time getting separation off the line of scrimmage when they're playing press coverage. So, all this to say, that's why I like Sky Moore at wide receiver four. Instead of McCall Hartman. Yeah, I um I th- I know I say this every year and it never works, but like I do think that this is another jump year for McCall Hartman. <laughs> just just because he's like he's been in the offense for a while. Um He's fast. I'm not he's fast and I'm not a McCall truther, but there is something to be said for like defenses planning for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and how that affects everybody else. Like, for example, if everyone's playing cover two, there's no room for anyone to go down the field, including Pringle, including Demarcus Robinson, including uh, McCole Hardman. And I feel like if there's more press man and less uh, less of this cover two, cover four, or like whatever you want to call what they're doing, um, I think that's going to allow for more of these deep shots that, again... McColl is is a running is a wide receiver, but he is kind of a gadget guy and can expose these offense these defenses when he can. So I wouldn't put him all the way down to five. I don't think he's going to be number one by any means, um, but I'd probably put him at three right now. Okay, all right, well for now. But hey, if you prove me wrong, if Justin Watson just goes crazy and he's the next hundred Renfro, I will buy you a Justin Watson jersey from our favorite website. How about that? Oh, dude, I, I need a Justin Watson. Who do I want? I want? I want to be a Justin Watson St. Louis Rams jersey. All right, all right. We're sitting here right now on the podcast. There is no bet to be had. This is just. I'm just saying this. At the end of the season, if Justin Watson um, has the third most or more receiving yards on the team i will buy you a justin watson st louis rams jersey excluding travis kelsey so we're talking wide receivers oh oh yes sorry okay excluding travis kelsey correct he has to be third or above at the end of the season uh regular season in receiving yards what about touchdowns nah no (laughs) because because do you know who's gonna lead the team in touchdowns reese he's gonna lead the team in touchdowns armando the the person that led us yesterday and that was jody fortson baby jody my camp crush my camp crush that was jody fortson dude i love it and he's amazing he had two touchdowns and he's really freaking big Mm. yeah i love it that's gonna jody fortson baby that is my camp crush. He was amazing. Patrick Holmes was looking for him. He did what he did last year before he tore his ACL. Or sorry, what did he? What happened to him? Yeah, it was uh, Achilles. Uh, ACL. Yeah, Achilles. Yeah, before he injured his Achilles, 
Um, he showed us what he used to do, right? He's a big body in the red zone that can create space, that can get up and jump for a ball, something that even Travis Kelsey doesn't do, right? Tra Travis doesn't have, I mean, he has hops, but not, like Jody has hops, man. Oh, yeah. Like I was so excited to see those two touchdowns. Uh, very smart and very athletic, very technical when he was when he was toe tapping down there. Um, I'm very excited. Again, I don't know how much we're gonna see of him, but just watch, just watch Andy Reid, just like he does with his with his trick plays on the goal line. We might not see jo Jody Fortson an entire game, but Andy might throw him in, like you know, if it's third and third and goal for a touchdown. Oh, I, I agree. I think he's going to be a big plus side of the 50 player for us. I think he's going to be a big red zone target. In fact, there was a graphic that showed the first four touchdowns of the preseason, three have gone to tight ends, and the fourth goes to Justin Watson, another 6'3", 225-pound big body. So now that Patrick finally has targets in the red zone and he's not thrown to all these like five foot nine wide receivers, <laughs> I'm hoping we see a little bit more production down there, which I know has been a big crux for us these last two, three years. I think we're also going to be Jody Fortson to really show out because Blake Bell is being placed on IR. He's having hip surgery. So he's going to be um, out. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be indefinitely, but it's long enough that it's really going to shift uh, the personnel that we decide to keep on this team. You know, maybe someone like Ronald Jones gets a second chance on life. Speaking of which, Derek Gore also going on IR today with a thumb. So Ronald Jones, yeah, probably, you know, on his ninth life as a cat, but here we are. But Kalen Saunders, <laughs> another one. Maybe he makes the cut now. All this to say, Jody Fortson needs to show up for our tight end room because between Travis, Jody, and the reemergence of Noah Gray this season. Noah Gray, yeah, he had he had one catch that looked pretty impressive to me. I'm liking these big, chonky, stonky bodies, man. I tell you what. Absolutely, absolutely. So Jody Jody Fortson um, is we love him. We have the hashtag Jody Fortson season hype. Uh, Reese, how about you? Any any other guys that you saw that you uh, were impressed by? Uh, I'm impressed that. Patrick trusted Sky enough to go deep on third and long. Unfortunately, the throw was probably eh, a little short. Not a bad throw. It was a, it was just a throw that was placed in such a place that a, a decent cornerback like Kendall Kill. I, yeah, but uh, you know, a, a decent cornerback like Kendall Fuller was able to get in there and make a play on the ball. No threat for interception, but it was just like ah man, you you pull a little more air under that in the back of the end zone that might be six, but. You know he's still getting in route with uh he's still getting in route with Sky, um, you know I got a question with you here. What did you think of the touches we saw from my camp crush Isaiah Pacheco? Ooh, um, n nothing that I honestly nothing I saw stood out from what I saw. Did did I miss a highlight play? <laughs> no, uh, you seen this play making the rounds? So it was one of like the two handoffs he got or whatever it was. And it was a counter to the look left. He follows Noah Gray as the lead blocker, and there's nothing for him there. And after the play, you see Pat kind of like motioning to the right. And from the broadcast cam, yeah, Trey Smith picked up the linebacker and like made a big old lane that with Pacheco's speed, if he would have seen that, he could probably take that 15 yards to the house. Uh, but then... Uh -huh. Uh, it emerged later. Someone had the, uh, what, what do you call it? Like the end zone angle. So you saw it from like behind the line of scrimmage and technically Pacheco did follow his block, 
And this is one thing. Okay, so this is one thing we talked about on the podcast earlier with the fact that Pacheco played at Rutgers, who a terrible football school, b just absolutely repugnant offensive line. So he followed that play as it was designed, counter to the left, and he followed his blockers. Gray just didn't beat his man. There was nothing for him there. He goes down. The fact that Trey Smith on the right-hand side was able to pick up the linebacker was kind of an unexpected option B. Uh, My guess is Pacheco didn't see many option A's at Rutgers, let alone even dreaming of the luxury of having an option (laughs) B. (laughs) Eric Biennemi afterwards said the fact that Pacheco's got to learn to have better field vision, he's got to learn to have patience behind that line, get his timing down with that offensive line because things like Trey Smith or Creed Humphrey blowing up an extra guy will happen. However, BME also said he fully expects Pacheco to take those steps forward because he's like got a great head on his shoulders. And, you know, BME used to be uh, running back himself. That is that is true. And I, I actually, as you were saying all that, I was scrolling and saw that Bears tackle again where they just like look like they're about to floor him and then he stays balanced like that. No, no matter what happens this preseason, I'm very excited to see Pacheco because very few rookies can do something like that and find the balance of like getting absolutely drilled in their legs and then still going and having the energy to go through. Um, so, yeah. So why don't why don't we wait to see? If he accepts that there is going to be major holes that he can go through, even when they're when he's not supposed to go that way, um, with this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, that's just beautiful. Because uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it, like clearly they want him to play. He played in the second drive over Ronald Jones, over Gore, uh, over McKinnon. I know we saw McKinnon, but we saw McKinnon after we saw Pacheco. So yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'm, I'm looking at the stats here in the preseason so far. You know, one thing that's interesting is everyone's so worried about the running game right now, but we haven't really used the running game that much. This preseason has much more looked like Patrick getting used to throwing to all these new toys in the receiving mm-hmm. and tight end core that he's had. I mean, for, for example, looking at Pacheco here, he's had six carries so far in the preseason. And they were all, how do I put this? I don't want to say they were all carries doomed to fail, but they were all plays that were like counters or like halfback dive sort of plays. There wasn't anything to like designed to get him in space. No sort of end around, turn the corner things. Six carries for 14 yards in the preseason for six random carries. I'm not sweating. I just want to see more and like more rhythm and more opportunities to excel for Isaiah Pacheco. I am I am far from writing the guy off. Sure, sure. Yeah, and then look, like, we don't need him to be running back one or even running back two at this point. Like, if he is productive as a running back three and is able to show spurts like that, it's already a success as a six-round pick. You know what I mean? Agreed. Um, so, yeah. All right, so we'll, we've talked about those two. I have one more, Reese, um, and then you can talk about as many as you would like. But yeah. one person that was great, we didn't see a lot in the, in the Bears game. We saw a lot during the Commanders game was Nick Bolton. Oh, yeah. Nick Bolton, remember, led uh, led our team last year in tackles, and he wasn't even the starting Mike linebacker. Uh, but now it seems like he's been promoted to such. He is going to be it. He just so much energy on defense. Um 
he really specializes in stopping the run. We need to see a little more of him in zone coverage and man-to-man against wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, but what he does against running backs is really impressive, impressive, and we saw that. And that was one of, I think, our biggest flaws on off on defense last year was trying to dictate the running game and trying to stop those things from happening because you had people like the chargers you had people like the broncos that can just run all over you it didn't matter how bad their quarterback was um they can just spend days running all over the kansas city chiefs defense and that defensive line so if if nick bone can solidify himself as that mike linebacker and kind of be that shield if the defensive line falls apart that's going to be huge for our offense or sorry for our defense and force these teams to really throw the ball like like imagine if we could stop an Austin Eckler for a Justin Herbert so Justin Herbert really has to throw more or Derek Carr can't get the running game going and he has to really throw and then we can kind of dictate what they're doing as opposed to them dictating what we're going to do so I'm a big big fan of Nick Bolton um yeah let's screw it let's just do some more hot takes Reese Nick Bolton is gonna be a pro bowler in 2022 welcome to the AFC pro bowl linebacker Nick Bolton. That's a pretty. That's a pretty warm take. Truth be told, I think it's hot. What? Because, what are you talking about? I mean, Nick, Nick Bolton. I think was actually in the running for defensive rookie of the year last year. He didn't. No. I mean, I mean, Micah really? Parsons ran away with it, but you yeah. know, you, you don't have to be Micah Parsons to be really good. Is it because he had the most tackles on the Chiefs? Yeah, he had the most tackles on the Chiefs, and he, he made great improvement from week one towards the end of the season. I'm really excited too, because one thing you kept seeing in his draft profile was the fact that he's like. A truffle hound in regards to sniffing out lanes you saw multiple she loves times butter <laughs> you saw multiple times in this game where it's just like a hodgepodge of bodies at the line of scrimmage and then suddenly like nick bolton finds the gap goes through like a cruise missile and takes out the ball carrier that's what he does best i'm really excited for the linebacker court all truth be told willie gay jr seems to be doing a lot less processing just a lot more doing this season, which tells me he's maybe getting more in line with Spag's complex, confusing defense. And also, Leo Chennault, even though he's not getting the starts and he's kind of coming in the second half of these games, he is proving to be a very serious, very gritty run stopper. He will not quit. All three of those guys put together all do different things, but the combination of the three is a trifecta of linebackers that I'm not sure that you and I have seen Kansas City have in our lifetime. Nope. I mean, it, sorry, sorry, Reggie Raglan. Yeah, sure. But, uh, sorry, Reggie Raglan. Hitchens was wasn't going to happen. Neiman. And and things like that, like physicality and someone that has a motor. I know we talk about these things, but it's so important when we get into the playoffs that we have just a depth chart of dogs. You know, like if you think about the greatest defenses in the past couple of years. They have really good players, but they have just a depth chart of people that make plays. Like oh, yeah. think of the the uh, Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers defense. Like of course they had their stalwarts of like Vita Vea and um, whoever else was on that team, uh, J- 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 JPP. But they also have these other guys that are just like they they are like Vita Vea and JPP are infectious to the entire team. Where I feel like the Chiefs are starting to learn from that model and have guys like Chenault, have guys like Brian Cook, um, have guys like Trent McDuffie that can really balance out and just uh, tailor or 
circle in this identity of dogs because when it comes to the playoffs everyone has to show up right it, if um if nick bolton and willie gay have to come off the field that one play is when tom brady can throw it over the top and win the super bowl you know so all these guys just have to have that motor and have that spirit which i feel like Kansas City's finally doing on defense, dare I say. I couldn't agree more. I love that analysis. I really do. Uh, so do you have anybody else you want to talk about that you're feeling good about? Or should we talk about some uh, things we're not excited about? I, you know, I'll do another softball because I didn't really have any losers that I thought of. I mean, there's some typical ones. But no, I, uh, I'll, I'll do a softball. I mean, Patrick Mahomes look great. Um, yep. I think we saw a different Patrick Mahomes. And again... I, I am not we're, we're just Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans um, so I don't know whether Patrick Mahomes was like this game I'm going to roll out more uh, but we saw him roll out a ton uh, but he still looked comfortable and I think it's important for those wide receivers to um, to experience the Patrick Mahomes improv rollout because they need to know what to do during that time because he loves to do that we did see him throw in the pocket and just get absolutely hammered by the defensive line and throw a really good ball still like when uh, I forgot what happened there was there was a flag on the play so he just threw it out and it was still really good location and pat just stood in the pocket which was really impressive to see i mean i know he's the like the greatest player to ever play football oh but yeah. it's just as a kansas city fan it's just fun to see little tweaks you know little improvements of someone that we've just never seen play football before i i totally agree pat looks like he's already in mid-season form he looks more comfortable i think overall part of that's to do with he seems more in sync with his receivers how many times last year did we see Pat just kind of like, it almost looked like he was hesitating during a throw and it would wind up being really inaccurate. And it's kind of like, I, th I think he didn't know if his receiver was going to break properly. So he thought about tucking it, but he'd throw it anyway. Or like he'd just throw into like open space where nobody was. Like that's very, yep. that's not very cash money, you Pat. But we're not seeing that this year. We're, we're seeing, you know, a little bit of rust. There's some things like that earlier you mentioned Sky Moore pass where it's like you, you put a little bit of midseason touch on that. That's, that's six. Sure. But, I mean, right now he's what? He's like 16 for 22 for 240 yards and four touchdowns or something. It's like, what, what do you want? Yeah. And and what's crazy is that, like, like I said, both games have been very different Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And both are still Hall of Fame Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Improv. Like... He just has so many weapons. He has so many, um, what do I want to say? He's like he's like a Swiss army knife now. He just has so many tools in that knife. And they're all so finely sharpened. I agree. Hey, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, I do have a question. Uh, so Shane Buchel came in when Patrick Mahomes went out. I didn't see any Chad Henney in this game. Is, is Buchel the new QB2? I don't think so. I think this is just a narrative thing, just to try to get more playing time for Buchel in the case. Because at some point, Henny Henny's not going to play very, you know, if Henny's not going to be here for that long. Um, or it could be that we're trying to flip Buchel and get, you know, a fifth, sixth round pick for Buchel. So if a team that needs him. Uh, but I think Henny, like, like this is this is Andy Reid's MO, you know, to have a veteran dude that can succeed in a playoff game and beat the Cleveland Browns yeah. in an epic game. Um, I I would be shocked if he becomes the second quarterback in the depth chart because that's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid always has a guy with experience. But I could be wrong. What do you think? 
Man, I didn't see anything about Chad Henney being injured. I didn't see him on any injury reports. Uh, I mean, I always just kind of assumed he was QB2. What's interesting is he's, he's a different kind of QB than Pat. Is he's very much, you know, like, he can roll out, as we saw on 3rd and 14 against the Browns, as you mentioned, but he is a very stay-in-the-pocket, three-step drop, traditional-style quarterback, whereas Shane Buchel has a much more improvisational or improvisational style like Patrick Mahomes kind of has. We saw him tuck at him run a lot in this game. Where I'm just like, dude, you better not be doing that during the regular season because you're not that big and you're going to get blown up with some of these guys in the AFC West. But, you know, if you want someone you can plug and play to kind of replicate what Pat does, Buchel would be that guy. So I, I'm just curious. on. I know Reed's always talked about Chad Henney in very high regards. So I'd just be surprised if all of a sudden he wasn't quarterback too. But what do I know? Yeah, again, like the I forgot, I forgot what happened to who's who was the last guy last year um, that was our third string or fourth string quarterback that then got traded to the Patriots or something. Oh, hold on, uh, it was the dude whose dad was like the Giants coach oh, for a yeah. while. What was who was Vikings? It? Ah, I'll, I'll look it up. You keep talking. What was your point? Oh, okay, no, no, I was saying like this is what I this is what. Um, Andy Reid does with some of these young guys is he it's almost like he's like flipping a like a, a a starter home you know what I mean like like there's 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 some potential there Andy Reid does some work on it and then and then he's able to flip them for for a pick or so and I think that's what's happening with these guys um I don't know if Shane's going to make the team but I know some other teams that really need a quarterback two or maybe a quarterback three I mean look at look at these teams that like they don't even know who their starting quarterback are you know what I mean so true Someone like a Shane Buchel is valuable to people other than Kansas City, and I think Andy has fun doing things like that. You're not thinking of Jordan Tamao, are you? For that quarterback? Nope. Hmm. No, it's uh, we're we're both gonna kick our heads because we also know this. Um, we also know the coach. <laughs> Hold on, this is gonna drive it, me. It crazy. was the it was the former Vikings coach. Uh oh, it was a uh, Shermer. Shermer, Pat yeah. Shermer. I can't remember his son's first that? name. It was Pat Shermer's the Giants coach. Who was it? It was like I don't know. Caden. Pat Shermer's son is Caden or Braden or Jaden or something like that. What do I know? What do I know? <laughs> Kyle. Kyle Shermer. Kyle ah, Shermer. Kyle Neg, friend of the podcast. Very good. Time. There you go. Kyle called me today. Actually, I have to call him back. <laughs> he, what? He did? Yeah. Yeah, he's in because he's in LA right now with uh, Pop. Oh, that checks out. Kyle is all he's conducting. Schrodinger's Kyle. Kyle is always either in LA, Santa Barbara, Bozeman. <laughs> he's in one of those three places. Probably. Iowa or Iowa where he lives. Yeah, or Iowa where he lives. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Classic. He's silly. Um, Kyle Shermer's on the Bills. Go figure. Huh? Yeah, dude, fighting Josh Allen for QB one, obviously. Wait. What the heck? Hold on. What? Am I reading this right? Kyle Shermer is now the defensive quality control coach of the Bills. Is that for real? At Yep. At the age of 25. Defensive quality control. What does he do? Sip the Gatorade to make sure it's not spiked? Yeah, quality quality control is like the assistant. Is the assistant. But uh, when, when you're the quality control guy, that means that you're going to be a coordinator. Like, that's what... Um, that's what all the Shanahan's were, and oh yeah, like that's where they they started in quality control. But it's basically you are the assistant 
like not assistant, but you are the like getting the coffee, writing the notes for the defensive coordinator. You want a paycheck uh, for two hundred forty thousand dollars? Yes, please. Dude, watch like Kyle Shermer take over Andy Reid's job when he retires. Oh my gosh, please no. Actually, I'm kind of I'm I'm actually gonna get a little nerdy here. I'm trying to who's so okay. So who is there? Because it's, obviously it's McDermott. Who's in McDermott's coaching tree? Um, because this will determine where he goes next. That's a good question. I don't know. That's a good question. Wait, McDermott is uh, McDermott's Andy Reid's guy, right? Yeah, he's from the Reid tree. He's the Reid tree. Yeah. Okay. Hot take. Mondo is with his final take before the end of the pod. <laughs> Kyle Shermer in two years is going to be the offensive or the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh my Chiefs. gosh, get out of here, please. <laughs> please leave. Don't you know that like the young hotshots that wear hats are always the cool guys that run these transcendent new offices, offenses no one's ever seen until it comes to a game where it matters and suddenly that offense just sputters and the coach looks like a deer in the headlights? What, too soon? No, I mean that's that's true. That's very accurate. No, dude, I think I think Kyle Shermer is going to be someone just because I can see where the tree's at. You know, this is this is all planned. This is this is all Andy Reid's plan. Dude, Andy. All right, Andy. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I was going to say other other than my Kyle Shermer, Andy Reid conspiracies. Anything to end the podcast, Reese? Uh, I don't like Sky Moore taking punt returns. To be honest, Oof. I think he's too valuable of a piece. I know Ty Rich is where Pacheco should be. No, I don't even want Pacheco doing that. I think Pacheco's one of our most valuable running backs. Uh, really? You know, it was one thing when Tyreek Hill did it when we drafted him because honestly, when we drafted Tyreek Hill, he was a converted running back who really was just like a super fast guy. We didn't know he had hands. We didn't know his value. It was just kind of like super fast guy. There has to be something for you to do. You know, right now we need a good running back, which is why we need Pacheco healthy. Sky Moore is too valuable of an offensive piece that we know can play wide receiver. So we don't want him getting dinged up. Same thing is, I see McDuffie back there taking kicks and punt returns. Don't do that. There's got to be some square on Dave Tube's like special team squad that can return punts oh. and kicks. I mean, they're coming back with you, holding anyway. You know who? H- who? You know who? Don't. Come on, D- Zane Anderson. Yep, starts with a Z. <laughs> starts with a Z, ends with not making the 53-man roster. Mark my words. He's played like DiCaprio doo-doo. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to see him. Uh, I don't know who else would do punt returns. Well, maybe your guy, McCole Hardman, since he's going to be uh, wide 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 receiver six or seven. I mean, that's fine. He returned kicks at Georgia. You know, he's not. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Play me out. Play me out, Armando. Thank you for listening to our pod. Nothing like getting Reese heated up when we talk about Zane Anderson and McCall Hardman. We will see you next time. Uh, by the time you hear this, Reese and I will have had a wonderful time in Kansas City, and we will fill you in on all of it. Uh, and we'll see you next time. We'll, we will talk about uh, the next preseason game. Till then, sayonara. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always, 
I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Music